What's going on, everybody? Welcome to T3 Podcast. Transformation through truth. And it is I, Larry Lou, um, your mirroring life coach. Um, what I do is I reflect what you may not know about yourself on the inside and kind of bring it to your attention. It's all for growth. It's all for growth. Um, messing with that unconscious is a is a personal decision, personal commitment that needs to be made when we're talking about growth and dealing with the unconscious. It's a must. Um, www.t3lifecoaching.org is how you can reach me if you wanted to take a look at the website and you needed any assistance in being guided you know to the path of transformation um well let's 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 go ahead and dive into it people this particular episode i'm really excited about it's called the uh, introduction to love style so for the next several episodes i'm going to be introducing to you six love styles they're actually nine but i'm going to mainly talk about the six um and you will see once i get into it um how i'm going to do that but i think you all are going to really really enjoy it but before we get on that i want to talk about kind of what i was told or taught um and how i learned about quote unquote true love and i remember being in college and a guy by the name of robert j steinberg um he had this concept called triangulating love and basically it was a a concept that consisted of three components um intimacy passion decision slash commitment so i wanted to talk about that a little bit and kind of get us ready for the actual presentation of the love styles because a lot of his work or the triangulating love concept I really found interesting and kind of beneficial um but if I'm being totally honest I just thought that you know everybody knew how to love um knew you know what to do what to say how to treat people i thought it was innate and i'm not saying that we all don't have the capability but somewhere down the line things go wrong to put it simply so i wanted to just talk about these uh steinberg's concept about love and just touch on those before we um, talk about the the nine total love styles, which again, I'm going to really focus on six, but again, we'll get to that in a second. So the first component of Steinberg's concept was intimacy. And I think um, we can all understand kind of what intimacy is. I think we all may have a, a pretty good grasp on it. Um, I know in his writings, there are actually 10 attributes to uh, intimacy. 
but I'm only going to talk about three. I think these are the most important, you know, for time's sake. And again, I think these are the the ones that everybody kind of um, cling to. Um, and that is, so the first one is just being able to count on the person you love and that claims to love you in your time of need. And I think we all can agree, like, yeah, that's that's important. Um, you know, if he or she loses a, a job or if he or she gets sick um, for an uncertain amount of time, you know, will that person stay? Are you going to stay? Are you going to choose to hold the fort down or or what? You know, it comes down to a personal decision. But coming again from experience, um, and if you all listen to the previous podcast, you know who who Larry Lou is. Um, you know that I have a situation going on, and the that whole experience brought a lot more intimacy into you know my relationship. I think we all like to think that if we go through certain things, that person will be there. But, you know, you just never know. You just never know all the time. So until it happened, um, you're really just believing, maybe even wishing and hoping that they will be there. Um, I talked to a young lady. She's actually a good friend of mine. She said that if her husband never was to lose his job or get sick, she out of there. She said her exact words were, these bills got to be paid. So, again, it's not always, it's not always a guarantee. Number two is feeling emotionally supported by the person you love. And that's not as easy as we would like to make it out to be at times. Because, you know, in, in our day and time, everybody is trying to trying to grind. And, you know, I don't think anybody is faulting anybody for trying to provide a living for themselves, the best living for themselves. Um, I don't think anybody can fault anyone else for that. But sometimes money is so much of the main focus that there is no time or energy to give emotional support. You know, if... If I am grinding and I'm coming home tired all the time, um, I probably don't want to hear about someone else's problems, my mate's problems, or, you know, a wife, whoever, husband. You know, I'm, I'm tired. I just probably want to eat, um, take a shower, bath, go to sleep, or whatever. And, you know, because I don't have a whole lot of energy to give after I didn't gave it to my nine to five or nine to five and then at six to nine you know you might have a part-time job or another job or you know hustling doing whatever it is that you need to do to make ends meet you know and that takes up a lot of energy and so being there emotionally for your your mate it can it, it can present a present a problem when we're just constantly grinding and not taking the time out for the people that we care about. Um, you know, workaholics is a prime example, and we know that that, that that exists. And then there's the desire to help support your loved one's goals in life. That can bring a lot of 
a lot of intimacy if you can if you can do that um maybe they are tired of that that grinding because they they're not making a whole lot of money so that's why you know you got to have two two three jobs or whatever so now you may want to go back to school so you don't have to work as hard and get a better job to take better care of yourself and things of that nature so can you be supportive in that that's not that's not easy too because sometimes you know a lot of times depending on if they're still working and trying to go to school and especially if you have kids us as men particularly can start to feel left out and that's when um some issues can start to to creep in and cause us to you know make certain decisions that under normal circumstances, so to speak, we wouldn't um, make. And then, so that was intimacy. And then, you know, passion. Um, how turned on are you physically when with the, the person that you love? So this is supposed to be another important ingredient when we talk about love, passion. Um, I know this might not be for everyone. It's not in... When I explain the love styles, you will understand more and have a better understanding of what it is that I'm about to say. Because this, what I'm about to to speak on, um, is mainly for a certain love style that you will learn about. I know that for sure because that love style is 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 mine. But I know I'm not the only one with this love style, so. And so, and so, what I what what I mean is, I personally feel that if you need at least a six to feel attracted to someone, and we talking about a six based on like a one to ten scale, you know, one being the worst, ten being the best, and this is all subjective because we all have our image of um beauty. So, but whatever that is for you, you know, if I think you initially need like a six on a scale to one to 10 to feel attracted to someone, then you should get an, you should get an eight. So you should maybe go above and beyond. And so why do I say that? The longer you are together, you know, the longer you're with someone, the arousal tends to decline. Like I said, this might not be for everyone, but I know it is for quite a few because of the the love style again but the longer you are together with someone the arousal tends to decline if you are attracted to a six and your arousal declines to where it feels like you are with a four you may be in trouble so that's why i said you might want to try to get someone that may be higher on the scale so that over time if that arousal declines and you you have an eight and you only need a six, that arousal declines and it comes back to a six, you good. You still have that attraction to him. You're still aroused by him. You, you know, the relationship still is exciting to you. Um, so that's something to think about. And the reason, the primary reason I say it, and it's, it's science, it's called habituation, the diminishing of a psychological or emotional response to a frequently repeated stimulus. Constantly with this person, every day, coming home to him every day, waking up to him every day, seeing him, 
okay, this will cause a response that was at one time um, very high, very uh, extreme. You can say, you know, when you talk about falling in love with some, you know, it's like they're the only people, person on the earth. They're the only thing that matter. But over time, you're with that person. That kind of diminishes because, I mean, who can keep up? that level of passion for their whole life and some of you know what I'm talking about and I think that you would agree on that there are other things that have to come into play when you're talking about longevity of being with someone the whole googly-eye honeymoon phase is going to wear off so there has to be something else there that causes you to be committed and I think that we all can agree to that who's who's lived a while at least um and experienced uh some things and the other is uh how much romance is in the relationship and this is something else that's very important sometimes the situational demand is greater than the subjective preference um simply put let's say you want to travel every month but if the money you needed to travel is the money that is needed for the rent or the mortgage, you can't travel. You can't go nowhere. The situation demands that you take care of that mortgage, that you take care of that that car note. You don't want to go out of town and come back and your car is, re, is repossessed or, you know, your house is going into floor, foreclosure. And, and I know that can take time, but I think you, you understand what I'm saying. I think there's, there's I think a lot of, single mothers who are trying to date and if the father is absent and they don't have a lot of support you know they might be seeing a guy and have to cancel on the date because they don't have anybody to watch the kids you know you got little ones especially you know they can't watch themselves so you might have to cancel a lot uh you might have to go through a lot to try to get you know a babysitter and babysitters cost money you might not have the money so the situ the situational the situation demands that you know you take care of the, the kids first you take care of the household first as opposed of your subjective preference of wanting to go out and have a good time i'm not saying it's fair but i'm saying this is just the reality a lot of times so the situation demand is greater than the subjective preference and so that can kill some of the romance that a lot of people look forward to in a relationship. And then it's just sex itself. I mean, I think that's self-explanatory. If the sex is not fulfilling, it might not be a lot of passion in that relationship. If it is, then you are probably good. The next one is decision slash commitment. Now, this kind of taught me a little bit. Um, I never really looked at it quite this way, but it makes total sense to me. So decision slash commitment. Um, there are two characteristics, um, short term, long term. And so basically, when we talk about decision, we're talking about when someone decides to love. It can be very short term. People fall in and out of love all the time. You hear people, you know, I fell out of love. I thought he was the one. 
I thought she was the one, you know. That's because in that honeymoon stage that I was just referring to, you know, those emotions are high, but when they level out, some people are in trouble. Some people don't know the, they don't know what to do with that because they feel that that honeymoon phase is supposed to be throughout the whole relationship. And in the future, I'm going to bring something to you where I believe love has three parts. You have the falling in love part, the being in love part, and the staying in love part. And all three of those categories need something different in order to get through them. Um, so, but we are, we, that's, that's, that'll be down the line at a certain time. But, uh, but yeah, the decision you know, someone decides to love you is the first part. You have to have that. That's good. But the long term, which is what we are, which is most, which is what most people are going for. You just don't want somebody to love you and leave you. People don't really like that. So the long term. So we have the decision to love and then the commitment to maintain the love you decided to give. See how that worked? The the love will come, but then you have to be committed to that love. Sometimes people are, and sometimes they're not. Um, I think we all have lived. Those of us that those of us who have lived can understand what I'm what I'm saying. I mean, I've been with a lot of people that I thought I love, but truth be told, I wasn't committed to that love. Being committed to a love takes work. A lot of work. So you have that decision and that commitment, that short term and the long term. As we can see, ironically, just because someone decides to love you does not mean they will be committed to you. So the point to to all that is they are not always mutually exclusive. So that's something to remember. One doesn't automatically come with the other. So remember that. And so when it comes to the, the theory Steinberg's theory, I do not find any real fault with it myself. I thought it was very interesting. Um, I believe all that has been discussed has its merit and can be extremely useful in trying to achieve happiness in a relationship. I do. But I would be lying if I have not always thought that there was something missing. I just always thought that. Because I, I know me and I try to be honest with myself. And there are some things that I did, um, that I do, that I don't want to do. And, you know, I didn't I didn't understand why. And so I ran across this small excerpt into a book. And I think the book was called Psychology of Love. Yeah, it was called The, the Psychology of Love. And it got a lot of excerpts about love in it. And so I ran across an excerpt into that book and it fascinated, it fascinated me because the insert was from a book called The Color of Love by John Allen Lee. And I just had to have it. And this is now when we talk about love styles. I had to have this book and you all just don't know what I went through to try to get it because I couldn't get it downloaded, couldn't find it anywhere. My wife helped me find it, and I guess it's a classic. And so you all know I try to give you um, 
the book name or where I get my information from that, you know, that, that, that uh, starts to fester these, these thoughts and so that you can go out and get it yourself if that's what you want to do and, you know, research it and look at it. But the book costs $200. So I don't know. I know my auntie, she told me if she buy a book for $200, she better be able to read it forever and constantly give her information for the rest of her life. So, you know, we laughed about it. But, yeah, $200 is not, uh, I mean, for a textbook, you know, you in school, you're used to it. But just for, you know, a book to, you know, just learn or, or read for some for some information, you know, we're not really used to that. So, but it cost $200, but this is how much I wanted it and I felt that it was important and it's why, this is why I'm bringing it to you all's attention. So, his name, okay, The Color of Love by John Allen Lee. And so, this is what I will be discussing in the next several podcasts is how each of the six love styles, but there are nine in total, can explain the motivation behind our behavior to love. It's very fascinating. Trust me, it is very, very fascinating. I'm going to give you the names. The first one is called Eros. The second one is called Storge. The third one is called Ludus. Now, these three are the primary love styles okay and then you have the secondary love styles which is called mania pragma and agape mania i think you all probably know what that kind of mean what what that means um the greeks <laughs> they said that it was the madness from the gods that's what this love style was madness from the gods so i think you all can uh, paint a picture of what that might look like. I'm pretty sure some of you probably been in relationships with someone who had a mania uh, love style. And then agape is is, a, is used a lot in uh, religion um, as far as being the, the love that I should say we all strive for. But again, I'm going to get into all all six of those we're going to dive into those very deeply and um just see what you all think about it and see how you all can possibly use these love styles in your in your own life and also maybe open you up to some of the things that or some of the i should say the behaviors that you display um i think they can be traced back to these to these love styles i know mine can um, so I think you're going to have a lot of fun with that. So this is, again, just the introduction to love styles. So in the next several weeks, I'm going to present um, each one. Uh, we're going to look at them, dive into them. Uh, I'm going to try to explain them to the best of my ability. But I think you all will be very pleased and I think you all will learn a lot. So, again, I want to appreciate you all for listening um this is your boy larry lou um, i'm signing off again elevation is in order people peace